thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Be aggressive. Let's win. Here we go. So I'm excited to have another, right, to have you on, Rob, to have another guest on who is a dynamic leader in the world of sports. Rob Clark, excuse me, Dr. Rob Clark. <laughs> Gordon, you know, you, You're making hey, me feel like uh, Dr. Phil now. <laughs> hey man, listen, you, you to, to be a doctor, right, you you put in, you put in some considerable work. And, and I, I I never like to. You know, no matter where it is, I, I always like to acknowledge people because you, you to, to to gain your PhD, you, you put in work, and uh, it's it's well above the average man's work. And so I, I like I said, I, I really applaud that. Uh, so so we'll we'll crank right up, Rob, and and uh, and I'll ask you to to take us through your journey, which has now led you to be the senior deputy athletic director at San Jose State. Yeah, Van, I appreciate it. And I appreciate learning from you too, because, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? So, you know, I learned from this as much as others. Um, you know, my journey's taken me all over the country. Uh, I, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, after playing high school football, I, I chose to go play at Utah State University and uh, as a linebacker. And after hurting both knees, um, and not having the D1 career I thought I'd have, I ended up finishing a Division three athlete at Occidental College. Uh, the football program no longer exists, unfortunately, um, but it was a great experience. And I, I really treasure, you know, the time I was in front of tens of thousands of fans and a couple hundred fans. Uh, I love the game of football, always have. And so that resonated with me. I had an opportunity um, – really wasn't planning on being in college athletics, uh, had opportunities because I'm bilingual. I can speak Romanian, uh, had lived in Romania in the Republic of Moldova and church service. And so as a result of that, I had no intentions of actually working in college athletics, but as I was preparing, uh, for a different career and in, in government work or something to that effect, where I'd be actually able to, to use my Romanian speaking, I started coaching at Occidental. Uh, my, my coach uh, hired me on as after being team captain. We finished you know, top 10 in the country in D3. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the interaction with our student athletes, um, with our team. And as a result, that, that blossomed into something. Um, I, I did that briefly while teaching high school to make ends meet. Okay. <laughs> and, and realizing that you know, maybe that wasn't the, the path. Maybe there's something else in store. And uh, I came across an opportunity to earn my PhD at Texas A&M. And uh, so I earned my undergraduate and, and uh, master's at Occidental College. 
and then my PhD at Texas A&M. But that's where I got the, the first foiree in intercollegiate athletics administration. I started in athletic compliance because uh, I had known some of the recruiting rules, as you know well, right? Right. That got my foot in the door. Uh, but one day, uh, a, a good mentor of mine, John Thornton, pulled me aside there. And he said, uh, we need to get you on this uh, external revenue side here. And he, he started ha- helping me uh, get experience with football scheduling and then got me in contact with some folks at the 12th Man Foundation. And it, it blossomed into a lot of different things there. Um, I took that opportunity and, and we worked hard and um, another Aggie helped hire me at another spot, which was a Division II at Angelo State University. Uh, had a great experience there, had to do everything. Um, it was a one person, one person shop, but saw the value of what everyone's doing on the division two level. Uh, but it didn't feel right. It wasn't the right fit for me. And I felt like division one was the right level. Um, and so at that point I transitioned quickly out of division two back into division one FBS at New Mexico. And so there I was involved, uh, you know, as part of the Lobo club, uh, overseeing our annual giving major gifts. And as we moved forward there, had a $75 million campaign, uh, helping renovate the pit, the iconic basketball arena there, um, and helping secure funding for our football field and football video board. A lot of great things were happening. Had a great time there. Still love New Mexico, even though it's a conference foe now. But I had something unique come up. And it was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and that was to help start a football program at Georgia State. And so uh, I was hired on there as a senior associate AD for development to help build a fundraising organization and help get that program off the ground into the FBS level, which we got to the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, Had uh, a lot of good opportunities there, also had some adversity there and uh, was grateful for it and learned from it. And uh, it was tough. That's tough getting a program off the ground. And uh, with that being said, you know, I, I learned a lot of things about myself. Um, I'm a West Coast guy. I like the West Coast. <laughs> and I learned that about myself there. And so uh, the opportunity arose to take my family back 20 minutes away from where my wife's from. And that was at Long Beach State. Now, they didn't have football. And so that was a, a very difficult decision for, for my family and I. But we felt it was right. And so I was at Long Beach for about five years. Uh, helped with the Dirtbags baseball program, oversaw basketball over external. Uh, we had some success there. I named a football, sorry, a baseball stadium over there and after a great donor uh, who's still supporting the program. And uh, had a couple top 10 finishes and, you know, being around a couple national champions there. It, it was a great experience, uh, but eventually needed to get back to football. <laughs> so the opportunity arose actually during COVID. And I started this job here at San Jose State uh, during COVID and started working out of my garage at one point. And then uh, ultimately was able to get up here uh, while things opened up, brought our family up here. We've had some adversity moving, uh, moving during COVID as a family. But the growth here has been phenomenal. And we had a Mountain West Championship in football uh, and having opportunities to grow here too. So uh, our journey's taken us all over. And I say ours because my, my wife, Emily, has been a huge part of this. I could not do it without her. And we've got three kiddos, Annie, Kate, and Mac, and they're all in. Um, my little soccer player, gym, uh, gymnast, and I got a four-year-old little dude who will run both of us over, Van. So we made it. To, he's already got the forearm shiver, and we get that guy going. So, 
but it's, it's been a journey and, and, you know, that journey has been the fun part of it. It's, it's enjoying the journey as they go along uh, because it's, it's not just one destination. I, I learn everywhere I've gone and they're great people every single place I've been. And, and I always start with that question, you know, because it's cool to, to listen to the steps that, that you've taken, you know, it's cool to listen to those steps because, you know, as, as you share that story, you, you kind of, you let us know why you are who you are, you know what I mean? And you, you, as we go through our journeys, they build us, you know, you talked about adversity uh, in, in a couple of different places. And yes, we, our society, we've, we've had some tremendous adversity and actually we're, we're still in the midst of it. You know, sometimes we think like, okay, COVID, we think COVID is over. You know what I mean? And, and COVID's not done yet, right? And so we're still in a battle. Uh, we, we, you, uh, as, a, as an administrator, dealing with young people, uh, dealing with uh, some of the social discussions that we've had to have, those have been challenging. What my next question is, is with this adversity, COVID, the challenging social discussions that we've had to uh, have, how has that developed? How has that helped you as a leader? Yeah, our scars refine us. And oftentimes our scars help define us, right? Um, you know, as we go through challenges, it, it's not the matter that we're going through them. It's what are we learning as we're going through these? How are we becoming better people? Um, you know, ultimately, I... I want to be the type of person that people can rely on and trust, uh, but also one that we can lean on and all work to get better and get better every day as a mindset, right? So, you know, as we walk into different circumstances, are, are we being kind? Are we thinking of people's well-being? And are we actually doing what we say we're doing uh, when we're talking about our student athletes' welfare and well-being, mental health, uh, do people feel a sense of belonging? Have we created exclusion instead of inclusion? And, and so oftentimes we run into issues of systemic issues that we've got to fix systemically, which are very difficult, especially when you're, you're going outside of institutional systemic issues and it becomes societal issues, right? But you also have within your own staff, within your own self, are you creating exclusion? Um, I think, and my wife's been so good at this with me, the word kindness is not used enough. Uh, because if we're kind and we're thinking of it on that front, kindness is not weakness. Right. Kindness can actually break down a lot of these barriers and oftentimes is the foundational principle that defines whether or not a person can connect with someone else. And it's those little words, and sometimes even just one word that can either tear us apart and create scars, or it can build us up to help us become better men and women. And, and you know, to, to, to make sure that we all understand, most of the people first who, who watch this podcast, they are in some way, they, they uh, influence others, right? I think, honestly, we all have the opportunity to influence others. We don't realize it, but if you are 
an athletic director, if you're a coach, if you're in a place, in a position where you deal with young people, I always look at it as a coach is that, you know, it's, I'm here, I do what I do because I want to change the world, right? All those things you just talked about, I want to change the world through sports, right? Because sports is where we go for enjoyment. Sports is where we go for release. Sports is where we go, you know, to, to live through someone's else, someone else's actions. You want to live through them and do things that you might not have been able to accomplish it. But if the Green Bay Packers can accomplish it, you did it, you know, right. did it, I should say. And so the fact that we are in this world of sports and we understand that they come to us, then we have an incredible opportunity again, like I said, to change the world. The, the young people that I've coached over the years, sometimes I just sit and think about how incredibly blessed I've been to have the opportunity to touch young people who now are, in some cases, old people, and they live all over the country. And so if there's something that I dropped in their hat along the way, they're now able to drop that in um, into another person's hat. One of my one of my former players, a guy that I coached when he was in high school, Tremaine Jackson, he just got the head coaching job at Valdosta State. How incredibly proud I am of him. Because I remember when he came to my house on my kids' DJ equipment, you know, <laughs> right? He doesn't know it, but I still have that song. You know, I still have that song that he made as a young person who was just messing around on, on some DJ equipment. I still have that song. And now this guy is a head coach and he's influencing people. And, and maybe he's maybe he's reciting some <laughs> lyrics. Well, you know, Van, hopefully, you know, hopefully not. And to, to your point, though, leadership is influence. It's the influence that we, we can have on others. And that, and that comes from John Maxwell. But one thing I, I really firmly believe is leadership is a privilege. It's truly a privilege. And it's, it's not a right. And it's not given by title. It's not given by money. It's, it's given because of trust-based relationships. And that over that period of time, you know, are we building the trust with our student-athletes, with our staff? And to your point, what we saw in COVID, too, and we'll continue to see here at San Jose State, our, our football program banded together when our county and, and state were shutting everything down. We literally went from uh, not being able to host games at our own site, uh, going to a Division II school to have camp, to having a home game in Hawaii, to having home games and a conference championship game in Las Vegas our team banded together. And while our community could not celebrate together, they were all behind digitally in any other way they could be. And we saw the change with, with great leaders that, that unified our student athletes to a purpose and a group of young men that, that, that can never be taken away from them. And then on the flip side, when we could get back together, when we had our first home game, and we just about sold out the house, which is a big deal here at San Jose State. 
I mean, it, it, there were some tears in the eyes of some of our players because of the ability of our community to finally get together and celebrate what they felt a part of but couldn't be there. And so, you know, the adversity really brought everybody together in different ways and, and helped us elevate and with the right leadership and, and the right people in place to help push forward when everything and every indication told us no and we kept moving forward and we had the right coaches in place and and things that we move forward so to your point yes it's a privilege it's an and that's an honor of what we get right. to do right and and nothing nothing makes it work like sports you know there's there's no other arena no other place that we live in our lives and in our society that makes it work like sports and speaking Speaking of leaders, um, man, on this podcast, we've had some great ones. But what I love, what I like to know is in your life, in your career, who are a couple of the leaders who have really influenced you? And what did you learn from, from those people? Hey, what's incredible is I, I was thinking about this, you know, who who would I say? And trying to think profoundly on the leaders who've had the greatest impact on my career and my life. And you know what? It's not anybody famous. In fact, their title isn't director of athletics or head football coach. Their titles were mom and dad. Um, I saw leadership every day um, when my mom was struggling to help us make ends meet. Um, I, I didn't come from a wealthy background. Uh, my dad lost his job when I was a, a, at a young age, um, and he, he struggled and he fought. Um, but what I saw was a lot of resilience. Um, I, I learned, too, from them that leadership isn't just a, a nice quote. It's a it's a day to day action and it is active. And, um, you know, so as I learned learned from them and my path was going along. Uh, they've been along, you know, the road. My mother just passed here about six months ago. But what I learned, you know, we thought of her legacy. Um, it, it really has been and truly is that she cared about students. She was an educator at heart. She gave up her life to help. I, I swear a dozen to hundreds of kids that I don't even know got their high school diplomas because she wouldn't quit. She was resilient. She overcame cancer seven times because she was resilient. And as I reflect on this last year and continuing to do so is the Omicron variants going wild right now through COVID, through social justice initiatives, the, the underlying principle that I've seen in great leaders is resilience. Uh, resilience because there is something better to work for, not not just for the pay, not just to get glory and honor because you've got a title or you're going to be in the newspaper or, you know, a ticker on ESPN or even because you have a championship trophy, but because it's the right thing to do because of the lives you're going to influence. And oftentimes it's going to happen on a day-to-day -day basis with something as simple as being kind that could have a profound impact on somebody's life forever. And in a place like San Jose State, where it's first generation focus in our initiative, we're not talking about changing one life. We're talking about changing generations of students. Exactly. 
the student athletes. So to me, that's where the power comes. And, and that's when I look at and reflect on leaders. I look at my mom, I look at my dad. Yes. Athletic directors I've, I've worked with great uh, colleagues. Yes. I, but when I really break it down and I really, to my heart and my core, it's mom, <laughs> right. mom, right. mom taught those things. And then they were reinforced as I went into the workplace and reinforced, you know, by some of the top ADs and people that I've learned from read books that have, have been recommended to me and continue to learn from today for my current athletic director. Big, big, big time. Uh, you spoke of, of, of being a reader and that's, that's something that I've, man, I've over the years, um, gotten into is, is reading leadership books. Again, as this podcast, we, we talk to different leaders and, and in many ways they say the same things, but they say them in a different way. And as a coach, you know, when you teach press man technique, right, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, right? And so when you, when you teach uh, one player, he gets it when you talk in this way and another player, he is just not getting it. Right. The greatest coaches, the greatest leaders, they're able to meet the learner where he is. Right. The greater te greatest teachers, they meet the learner wherever he is and you modify your teaching to him. Uh, and so it's, it's cool, you know, to hear you say, yes, I've had great leaders, but it's always been mom and dad. Again, it goes to the great responsibility that we have because there's some kids. They don't have moms and they don't have dads. So now we as coaches, as administrators, we have to be in those positions to step up. So when you talk about leadership, let's think about your staff. What would your staff say about your leadership style? And then, and then as, you, as you think about it, has it changed for you over the years? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting when you think of leadership styles, oftentimes someone will say, this is my leadership style. Uh, but you brought, you brought up a great point. Just like in coaching, you've got to meet everyone where they are, right? So my, my primary leadership style would be servant leadership. I, I want to serve, uh, try to live a, you know, a higher principle if I can. Um, I'm, I'm not perfect at it by any means, but I'm, I'm working to get better every day. But at the same time, there are times where you need to be more directive, especially with the younger staff, uh, and you'll need to teach and, and guide. Um, you know those those that are more um, proactive and and going getting after it, especially on the revenue generation side. You, know, you find a lot of go getters there. It's it's like it's recruiting. It's the same thing as recruiting, except you're asking for money instead of asking to come to a school. Right. Uh, when you have somebody that's proactive like that you know, your, your job is more of a guidance to be a leader and you guide, you, you instruct, um, you provide feedback in a positive way and you provide the critics, you know, the critique when necessary. Um, but ultimately I think it comes back to the best leader of all was a servant. And so for me, I think that's something I'm trying to emulate. Uh, but I do recognize you can't just have one leadership style. You've got to have multiple to meet people where they are and to help people grow. And it's it's kind of like, if you look at the laws of flight, right? If you look at an airplane, you've got four things that, that how people are, and they, it actually reflects a lot of how people are too. So 
you know, as you're getting off the ground, you got to speed up. So you got to thrust forward, right? But it, naturally, without doing anything, you'll have drag. Right. Then to get off the ground, you need lift. And then otherwise, you got pull that's going to bring you down. And so the question is, as a leader, when do you need to push things forward? Or it's already going forward and you don't need to push it. Or when are times you need to actually lift and build? Right. You know, you're going back to, to student athletes that may not have the right influence in their lives. There's going to be a lot of lifting and, and the lifting and carrying to help show a, a better life. Um, and what that might be is going to be different for everybody, which is why you got to meet people where they are, right? You got to know who they are. You got to build trust with them. And if that's not there, then you can't lead very effectively. So, you know, going, going back to that concept is it, it varies. And if you ask my staff, you know, it, it may depend on the staff member you ask yes. and the day we're at or the project where we are. Uh, but ultimately I, I, I hope, I really genuinely hope that they know I have their best interest at heart. And I will help push and drive our organization to succeed because we want to win championships in everything we're doing with the championship mindset. So uh, the, the, the push and the lift, right? <laughs> right? I like it. I like it. The pushing and the lifting. I, 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 yeah. As a, as a coach, there are, there are definitely players that you, you, you can trust, right? You can trust and you don't have to lift as much, right? But you're always going to be pushing. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. My, my next question is, is, is based off of, because I know you had the opportunity to, to uh, be a part of hiring coaches. Uh, so we'll stay with coaches. What is it that you look for when you're, when you're choosing a coach to, to be a part of your staff? What, what are the things that are important to you when, when you bring someone, when you add someone to your books? Yeah, I think the first step is fit. And you hear that word a lot, and it can be dangerous too. So I recognize that when I say this. Um, how I would define fit would be what is needed for the institution at that time. And the same job four years ago will be different than the same job today. Right. So what, what you're looking for will, once again, we'll go back to what are the, the elements around the program that are necessary at that moment? Now, there are some baseline things that abs are absolute musts. Um, so, you know, if I'm, I, and in the last few searches I've been involved with, uh, you know, a person of integrity, you, you can't replace integrity. And, and that means you, you do what you say you're going to do. And when no one's watching, you do what you say you're going to do. Uh, when we start there. And then, you know, that, that, that speaks to your compliance and following the rules, of course. So doing the right thing. Um, I think for me personally, I'm looking for somebody with an edge, a competitive edge, looking to get it and doing it the right way. Um, I, I like to win. And, and I don't define winning at all costs. Um, you know, are, are we competing? Are we competing to get better? Are we competing to get better in the classroom? in our competition? Are we competing to get in front of more people in the community? How are we competing? Uh, so for me, you know, if you're looking for a basketball coach, I, I want to see our players that dive for loose balls. And if I don't see hustle, I get frustrated with that because you can control that. 
Right. And, it, and the same can be said on a football field, right? If, if you know, people are lollygagging around the field, that's coaching. That's coaching. So, you know, those are those things that the intangibles that come out. Now, um, there might be periods of time where we need a personality uh, to engage the community. That just recently happened with, um, with our basketball coaching search I was involved with. We need somebody to build a fan base because it hadn't been done here before in our basketball program. Um, in our recent track uh, search, we were looking for someone to connect, connect with our student athletes and, and a deeper connection that really could understand what they've been going through. And that that's going to mean different life experiences that we're going to be looking for uh, during the, the search process. So I, I can't sit here and say that the search is, is the same every single time. I think if it is the same every time, we're shortchanging what we could become and, and who we're looking for. So, you know, the, I think the thing I've mentioned to a lot of uh, aspiring head coaches that I've talked to offline is know the fit, know what you're looking for and, and don't waver because that, that uniqueness that is you will be celebrated somewhere, not just tolerated, celebrated. And when you get in the right place at the right time and people celebrate who you are and, and what your journey is that's brought you to where you are, it will elevate the entire institution. But more importantly, you're going to elevate the lives of young men and women. And to, to me, that's the core of everything we're doing here. Exactly. I, I think your point. Uh, your your whole point of fit is is vital. It's vital for, like you said, for aspiring head coaches to understand, because it, every well, I read a book once, and it talked about a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's just what it is. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. It does not mean it's the right fit. Using your word, um, and, and the fit is important. And, and that's just not in a coaching situation that's in everything that we do you know I, I oftentimes get uh text messages from young coaches about a job opportunity should they take it should they not sometimes it's not the right time the timing is off mm -hmm. it might it sounds good right you're gonna make more money oh these are your buddies oh it's in a great city but you're gonna have to pull your kids out of school and your wife might not like, you know what I mean? So the timing, or, or this may be a great job, but this staff may be at the, at the end of the line, you know? And so that, that fit is, is so very important. Well, I got one last question before, before, we, before we end this podcast. And, and we always, it's kind of cool to hear the responses of this one um, because, you know, like you and I talked, uh, me, no, no, no. I'll say you more than me. We have gray hairs now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, um, but those gray hairs, they were earned. But as you reflect back on your life, what would be something that you would tell your younger self, right? That, that you know today, that, man, you wish you, you were someone who would have told you way back then. Yeah, in reflecting on this question, um, I, there was a moment that was pretty pivotal in my life. I, when I had that injury, it, it 
dashed a lot of hopes, right? And I think we all had NFL aspirations, any of us that that played, right? Um, I'd I'd go back to that moment and I'd talk to myself uh, very frankly, this isn't this isn't going to hurt you. I know it hurts physically, um, but this will define your resilience and, and how you how you act and react and move forward positively and relentlessly uh, will define who you are. And uh, uh, you're going to do a lot of this by yourself, and you'll have some support systems, but you can do it. And there are a lot of other people that will help along the way and thank every single one of them as you go down this journey too. Um, one other element, but I knew this as a youth um, because I had been taught, but I would reinforce this element. Uh, stay true to who you are and uh, knows who, know whose you are as well. Uh, faith is a big part of my life, always has been, and it always will be. Um, and at that, at that young age, it was developing. And so I'd say uh, to myself then, keep building on that faith that you're building a foundation right now. It will pay dividends in your relationships, relationships with your family. And uh, honestly, your relationships with everyone you encounter. And it will drive uh, your desire to be of help and lift and build and push people forward to a better life. Great, great. Man, it's it's been it it honestly has been very refreshing to um, to listen to you to discuss with you. Uh, there, there actually some moments in there where I want to interrupt. And say, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. I do agree with that. You know, <laughs> it's been difficult at moments to 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 contain myself uh, because again, you know, different leaders have have been on and they've talked about things. But man, I, I just I like you put things you you there's some there's some values that you talk through that i think you know our young people our young coaches our young players they need to continue to aspire to develop to have as they as they continue through their walk and uh, I, I just, uh again appreciate you for being on and uh what we'll do is is we will uh once we get it posted we'll send it out to you and uh we'll We'll put it on our website, but, but we'll put it on social media because I think, again, there's there's great value uh, in, in the things that you said, and there's uh, definitely a need for us in the, in the place that we live to continue to push those, to continue to push those values because, you know, in this social media world we live in, they're listening. You know, they're always, yeah. someone is always searching for some direction they're searching for somebody to help them grow and they're getting it they're either getting it positively yep. getting it very negatively you talked a second ago about you know how strong your faith is and that and that's that's big time important you know to for us to be able to express uh because you know there's some young people who are afraid to express that because it's not the the it's not cool you know what i mean yep. It's well, not, and it, it does it does come with repercussions too, and right, so you, right. you know you've got to be uh, deliberate about how you express it and when you just live it. That's if if you live it, right? If you live it, then then you you don't even have to say a word. I always my mom always said that 
you know, if you just let your light shine, they see it. You don't have people, as she said, people have, people have really good uh, hearing, uh, but they don't see so well. So you have to show them, right? You, if, if you say little quiet things, they can hear you, but it's the vision. You have to show them. Another great point that you made about your leadership, being a servant leader. I, 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 one of my, I was the defensive coordinator at SMU and one of the guys I worked with. I listened to an interview that he did and he talked about me. He talked about the fact that he's here to make my job easy. He's here to help me be all that I can be. And it was kind of cool because I was thinking the same thing about him. Right. And I, same thing about the head coach. And I, I think the same thing as I work with Coach Kleiman, you know, he he always he gave me the opportunity to be the assistant head coach to work alongside with him. He, he thought he was doing something for himself, right? And he was doing something for me, you know, because of the fact, and it's like, as he and I discuss, hey, listen, I'll help you do this. And he's saying to me, well, I want to help you do this. You yeah. know, so I always look at it like a like a triangle, you know, where the the love, the energy, the service it, between the player, between the coach, between the player to another player, mm -hmm. right? It, and I, I'll add the administrators in there as well, but it's it's always about serving and, and that it, it just keeps going from one to the other. I, I say to our players, you know, the more you give, care. Mm -hmm. Care, the more you'll give. Yeah. And and I, I think that it, it continues to grow and, and you build great programs in that way. Now, now, not all of them exhibit that. Not all of them put that on. Yeah, they do actually post it on the walls everywhere, that family, you know. But, um, but you, I, you hear a lot of programs, you know, they say family, right? But yeah, the question is many uh, opportunities to to exhibit it. And again, like you said, not always on the ESPN ticker, you know, sometimes it's in those little subtle moments where, you know, you give a teammate a ride or you pull a person to the side to help them be a better person, a better coach, a better player, you know. Yeah, and I, I didn't mention this. There's a group <laughs> called the program, and I don't know if you had them around. Those guys are we have, good. We have. But I, yeah. I love how they define kindness too. And I don't know if you they went through that with you, but you yeah, know, I don't I don't remember that point. So they they said um, you know the teammates failing and falling down, it's actually the kind thing to do to correct it, because otherwise they're going to be flailing and they will fail. And so the, even though it may come across and feel like it's being harsh or critical, it's actually being kind because you're helping them get better. Right. And that kindness isn't allowing bad things to happen and being nice. Right. Kindness is actually holding people accountable and doing the right thing for the right reasons. Yeah, and we all, again, we, we, on that same point, we say that it's, it's not what you do to them. It's what you do for them, the discipline. It's, it's for them. It's to help them. And our, you know, on our team, we have a tremendous amount of, of player accountability. And it, it came from, it came from our experience. With, it really came from our experience with the program. Mm -hmm. 
that that point you made is that our guys learn that a man leadership is like you said it's 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 not allowing things to happen you know it's you actually care if you say something you know you if you see something going the wrong way and you say something that is actually it's cool we say something else we say it's cool to care right (laughs) it's cool to care It's, it's not a bad thing for you to say say something because again when you present it the right way people appreciate it when you present it the right way you know not demeaning you know not embarrassing when you present it the right way you can challenge people man you know what that's that's not the best you can do i, I know that's not the best you can do that's not what you said mm-hmm. that you wanted right you challenge a person they people want to be that no one wants to be second rate no one wants to be uh second fiddle everybody wants to win you know they may not express it well that's when as a coach you have to teach them as as leaders on the team Mm -hmm. you always tell our leaders hey man this is why you're the leader (laughs) because you gotta figure it out yeah i had a everyone can't be the leader I, i had a staff member um openly challenge me in front of well, I was good 30 people and you know that moment when somebody challenges a coach or challenges a leader and the moment everyone looks over and goes what's he gonna do right <laughs> and that's right everyone looked at me and I said thank you <clears throat> thank you for disagreeing with me because if if I was just getting yeses it wouldn't make us better so let's let's work through this right. and we did we came to a good resolution um but the team learned at that point, because it was okay to disagree. It was okay to challenge because it wasn't about the person. It was about us getting better and striving to be champions and everything we're doing. That culture helps us to grow. And that, that culture, just like you said a few seconds ago, helps us establish accountability. And it, it creates a culture of pushing things forward like they wouldn't be otherwise if we were just getting yeses all the time. All right. Kevin Anderson at, at Air Force, when he was on, he talked about the leader being vulnerable, right? When the leader, when you challenge the leader and he does not know the answer and he says, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because when you challenge the leader, everyone looks because he should have the answer. But if he does not have the answer and he does not know, the strength, the courage to show that vulnerability, I think is, is there's great power in, you know, and it's, it's so funny that, you know, the things that we think, like you said, kindness, you want to say that kindness is weakness. No, kindness is incredible strength, you know, Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable is, is incredibly powerful, right? Mm -hmm. To, to help someone to, that's not weak to serve someone else is incredible strength right because i'm strong enough in myself that i can that i can give to you right i'm okay over here yeah and that breeds confidence too right and so that confidence builds up it builds up little wins become big wins right right well again rob we could go all night (laughs) yeah we could thank you man right right well (laughs) i I appreciate it if i can be of help to you let me know Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And the same, same goes to you.